Welcome to Podcast Hackers, the show for podcasters by podcasters. Here, each episode, you'll hear from the best and brightest podcasters and learn how they're growing their audience, monetizing their shows, and making an impact through podcasting. And now, your host, Craig Hewitt. All right, welcome back to another episode of Podcast Hackers. This week, we have Brian Berkowitz. Brian, how you doing? Hey, how are you, Craig? Doing good, doing good, thanks. So, Brian, we like to, to kind of start episodes with introducing yourself and a little bit about uh, kind of what you're up to and wh- why and how you got into podcasting. So, for folks who don't know you, can you kind of share a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm out of New York or Long Island to be specific, about 15 miles outside of New York City. I'm an architectural and interior photographer. Um, I also do a little bit of real estate and I'm very active on a lot of our Facebook groups and I decided to go and start this podcast geared primarily towards real estate photographers and architectural interior photographers because first off, just the lack of anything out there to that specific targeted niche. Um, There's a lot of you know, photography podcasts out there, but they're all very broad and they go from anywhere from sports to weddings to portraiture to architectural. But, you know, there's a very specific niche group of architectural real estate photographers that love to learn just based on the Facebook groups I'm part of, you know, have a combined uh, reach of probably 25 to 30,000. And I'm always active there and there's always people that want to know. So I said, hey, why don't we you know, me, we being rich and uh, rich, my partner or my co-host on this, why don't we go out there and uh, give people some information? Yeah, no, that's great. You know, I, I think that in this show and with the, the podcasters, I know we all operate in really broad areas. And so it's great to to get a chance to talk to somebody who's really niched down into a, a subspecialty uh, of a particular genre. Uh, so, so I guess the first question that I have around that is uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about the total reach or impact you think you can have for your show and relative to a lot of other podcasts, it's, it's small, but, but you probably have some, some thoughts about what kind of a good goal is in terms of listenership and reach. Um, can you kind of give your thoughts around, around that knowing kind of where the size of your, your addressable market is? Sure. Um, I mean, obviously it's hard to know your exact size of your, of your demographic you're looking to go after, but we use our Facebook groups that we're all part of and admins of to have an idea of the amount of people we can potentially reach. And, you know, we're across all channels besides for our website where, you know, iTunes, Google play, we're on YouTube, all that stuff. But I mean, we do a decent amount of uh, viewership from iTunes, uh, from YouTube as well. But you know, based on all the groups we're associated, we figure our reach is, like I said, anywhere from 25 to 30,000 people. Now, obviously, we both know that 25 to 30,000 people are not listening weekly um, yet at this point. Um, yeah. But I don't expect that to happen anyway, just because, you know, even if, you know, you have 30,000 people in a group, I would say, what is, what is I don't know what the number is, we're probably under 5% are actually active in those groups. Sure, sure. Yeah. So there's... Only a select few people actually even know that we exist. Now, we're about three weeks old and we're averaging anywhere from 800 to 1,000 listens a week, which I would, I guess I would call it pretty successful for a three week old podcast. Um, you know, and we have waves obviously every day, which is Tuesday that we launch a new episode. You know, that number booms up to like 300 listens for the day and then it levels out at about 100 listens for the rest of the week, um, give or take. Right. But I think we're in a place where if we had anywhere from, you know, 
one to maybe max out of 5,000 listens a week. That'll be enough where we can, you know, secure some good sponsorship and be happy with where we are. Gotcha. And so that's kind of the the end goal of the podcast is to get sponsors? Well, we started this for a few reasons. I mean, and obviously, you know, everybody wants to make money. We're all money whores. But, uh, you know, um, if we got sponsorship, great. But, you know, there are a couple of things at play here. Obviously, you know, we just want to get some information out there. That's that's the the basic root of it um, is just share information. And, you know, it's a very small community that we're in. And it's a very competitive community. And a lot of people don't like to share information. And our opinion is if you go out there and teach and learn and, you know, share info, that's only going to help everybody as opposed to just letting everyone be competitive, especially in the industry. I guess you can call it a service industry where everyone just undercuts each other if a lot of people are more educated about what we're doing and where we're pricing and stuff like that. Um, hopefully the whole industry overall benefits from it. Gotcha. So it was, you know, a matter of just getting some information out there. Um, my co-host Rich is an educator. Also, he, you know, has a YouTube channel full of tutorials. He has, you know, I think a little over 10,000 subscribers and he does workshops throughout the year. So for him, this was just a natural um, addition to what he does. And for me, it's it was a way for obviously to put my thoughts out there, to put out what I know out there, and for me to start building a name in the industry and get myself known out there to eventually, potentially be an educator as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, interesting. So um, I think we we hear a lot about Facebook groups and, and people being part of Facebook groups for their podcasts or their podcasts being spawned kind of out of a Facebook group, like like is your case. Um, what have you, what have you feel like you've done particularly well, or what, what's kind of your strategy been to, to participate and engage with Facebook groups as a way of kind of brand recognition and name building and things like that, uh, leading up to the podcast launch? I think particularly in the Facebook groups I'm part of, or the, the groups that are geared towards what we do. And I think this is with actually probably any industry out there. There's always your top 10, 20 people that are posting multiple times a day. And those are like the big wigs in the group or the admins. Um, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Any Facebook groups that you're part of, there's always, you know, you know there's the people that post occasionally. There's the people that never post. And then there's the people that are just really, really super active. They're posting every day. Yeah. They're the admins. People know that they're the, you know, the top in the industry. So one of the big things we did at the beginning when we launched was we got some of the top guys in our industry to come on and interview with us. Now, Rich, who is my co-host, is pretty well known in the industry. Like I said, he has a ton of YouTube subscribers, big following. He's a big educator and people know his work anyway. Um, so for me, strategically, um, co-hosting with him was a big, I guess, launching ground for us and a big way for us to be able to get out there much quicker than we would have otherwise. Then just securing a lot of the top photog- real estate photographers in the industry, um, which we have in the first, I think we released seven episodes and the first three or four um, have been, you know, pretty well-known photographers. And then, you know, we went a little bit different um, for one of our episodes. We interviewed um, an SEO internet marketing guy who specializes in in internet marketing getting yourself out there and we did that geared towards photographers and that was a huge thing too because that's you know based off reading tons of posts on the facebook groups we know that's a big thing that's troubling people so that's 
you know, that's a strategy we also, you know, decided to approach is see the most common questions that people ask on these Facebook groups and then bring in an expert to discuss it. Gotcha. gotcha. So between between that and then just bringing in the top guys in the industry, we've been able to um, launch pretty quickly. Gotcha. And get the numbers we're getting, you know, within a couple of weeks. No, that's fantastic. I love the idea of letting the 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 discussion and the people in the Facebook group kind of guide your content strategy. That's something I haven't really heard formulated uh, quite like that. And I really like it because, I mean, these the, the Facebook groups uh, really provide like a great two-way street for, for people that are in podcasts or just any kind of community where it's like an email list or something like that. You go talk or a podcast, we talk and people listen. Um, but the Facebook groups are so kind of bi-directional that uh, it lets you, like you guys are doing, kind of observe what's going on there mm-hmm. uh, and then let that let that direction kind of formulate your your strategy uh, for the podcast. That's very cool. Exactly. And it's, you know, in an, in an industry like we're in, it's easy to do that. Obviously, there are a lot of under, other industries. There are, there are Facebook groups with three, four, 500,000 people. That would be much more difficult to do. But because we're a very targeted group, um, you know, even if we were just photographers, we'd be targeted to the overall population. But, you know, we're niched down even further and we're just, you know, photographers that focus on real estate architects, you know, architectural stuff and, you know, interior, interior design, stuff like that. Um, it's very easy to kind of get an idea of what people look for and try to help them. Sure, sure. So one thing that uh, is always kind of a question is when you're just starting a new podcast some people find it difficult to get some of these bigger names to come on the show uh, before you have a bunch of listeners. Um, did you find it difficult to recruit some of those bigger name guests onto the podcast before you had launched and before you had kind of established listenership? Uh, at this point, it hasn't been too difficult yet. I mean, our bigger names in our industry, you know, the top real estate photographers out there are not, you know, big, big names relative to, you know, the country or anything like that. So it's not like they're, they're celebrities that might be more well-known in our community, but more, most of the well-known guys are willing to share what they know. You know, some of the top guys out there already, you know, have YouTube channels and they already like putting information out there. And if they're already into that, then it's easy to just grab them and have them do a podcast because they're used to being on camera. They're used to being on a mic. They're used to getting their thoughts out there. So it wasn't so difficult. Um, you know, we, ha- we were turned down by one or two of the top architectural photographers at this point. Um, but we're also three weeks in, you know, once we have numbers, who's to say they won't come back and, or if we ask them again, they won't, you know, agree at that point. Sure. Um, so who knows, but so far we've, we've gotten some pretty good stuff, some pretty good people. And, you know, we were able, there's a, a blogger, he's an older gentleman, but he, he started the first real estate photography blog in probably 2002 something like that when you know blogging was just coming into existence and you know he has a 30,000 person email subscriber list and we were able to secure him he loved the idea wrote a blog post about us and stuff like that so um it's just you know networking making good connections rich because of his time in the industry as a photographer and educator has a lot of good contacts with a lot of the top guys so it was a little bit easier for us to secure them gotcha gotcha uh, so you mentioned that you're you're relatively new, couple couple weeks in, um, and, and that the the podcast has opened some doors for you within the architectural photography space, uh, just by by way of kind of networking and and Im- improving probably some of those existing relationships. Can you talk a little bit about the the kinds of things that you've seen um, here, kind of early on with the show and and some doors that it's opened? 
Exactly. It hasn't opened any doors in terms of me getting potential gigs at this point, but I don't think it will ever do that because we're not podcasting to architects or I'm not podcasting to interior designers. We're podcasting to people who do the same thing I do and they're not hiring me at this point. But what it has done obviously is, um, I guess you can call it quote unquote, put me on the map in terms of, you know, what I do in the industry, you know, now people know who I am. You know, if I post a comment on a group, I get probably three or four times the amount of responses that I would before, um, which is not obviously what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for accolades, but um, I think when people know your name in the industry, you become um, an authoritative figure like a guy like Rich, and it'll help open doors down the line if you want to start becoming an educator. People know who you are. People value your work. People know that you know what you're do- what you're talking about, or at least you know, they think they know, you know what right, you're talking about. Right. And um, it can open the doors down the line as far as being able to, you know, run my own workshops if I want down the line or anything like that. Um, and it also has, you know, just the guests that we've spoken to at this point, I'm, you know, I'm now friendly and it's it's open doors for me as far as networking, because now I know, pers- uh, I, I mean, I haven't met them, but I personally know um, all these top photographers in the industry because we've sat for an hour and chatted. Yeah. No, it's great. I'm going to a I'm going to a conference next week where I'll meet a lot of people for the first time in person that I've talked to on podcasts or have heard me on my podcast or whatever. So it'll be fun. It's always good to to make those initial connections online or on a podcast or whatever and then go in in person and meet meet those people. It just puts you so far ahead. Exactly. Um, put a put in face to the name. Exactly. Exactly. And look, I, I co-host with this guy Rich Baum, as I mentioned. He's in Sacramento, California. I'm in New York. We've never even met. Yeah. So and I guess nowadays the way technology is, that's that works and there's no you know, it works fine and it's fl- it's fluid and it's flawless. So Yeah, let's talk about uh fluid and flawless with, with recording uh across the country. So <laughs> <laughs> I know uh yeah, I think one of one of the tough things with this is either people who are are not terribly technical figuring out kind of the best way to record mm-hmm. or, or people who are really discerning about the quality of their audio understandably um finding the best possible solution to to record their audio yeah what what are you guys doing now and i know kind of talk about your journey maybe a little bit with with what you're what you've been through in terms of recording styles and mechanisms Sure. So when we first started our first two episodes, we were using Skype and we were using call, uh, call recorder for Skype, that little plug-in. And the first one went great and the second one didn't go so great. So um, yeah, I'm a little anal about my audio. I'm a little bit of a techie. Obviously, I play with cameras all day, so you have to have a little bit, little part of you that's uh, a techie. But um, we had this experience with with a call recorder where you're recording over the internet and the person was cutting in and out and obviously it records it records directly from Skype so whatever you know the recording whatever you're hearing is what you're getting and our interviewee didn't have great internet and it was choppy and it was garbled sounded like they were underwater and we, I mean this was only our second episode where we were, we were really really embarrassed and you know we obviously try to come off as professional as we can and we want our audio to sound as good as it can I'm a little anal about the audio you know I have a musician background so okay, okay. you know I know I know Adobe Audition and I know Pro Tools um so you know I want to try to get the cleanest audio we can and it was really embarrassing so we ended up having to redo that episode you know anyway but at that point, I started looking for other options because it's tough to, at that point, rely on 
somebody else's internet connection to get a good interview. You know, I know the quality of my internet connection and the mic I use as well as my co-host, but you never know what you're going to get. If somebody has awful internet and they're using a pair of earbuds, you know, you're kind of a just praying at that point. Right, <laughs> you know? right. So, right. so um, I looked for different options and I came across Zencaster. They had a free trial, so I tried it. And we've been happy so far. The biggest... The biggest plus in my mind with Zencaster is that it records locally. So even if there's lousy internet connection, which is what happened actually to us last week where we interviewed somebody and they didn't have great internet connection and it was also coming out a little garbled over the internet and we even had trouble hearing her. But because it actually also records locally to her computer and then uploads the file after, when I got the final files to edit, everything from her end sounded great. So... When we edited and put out that episode, nobody knows that we were struggling to hear her or what we were hearing on our end was not the quality and you know up to the standard that we want to deliver. Sure, so sure. That's that's kind of what we've been doing now. Most of our interviews are three people, you know, myself, my co-host, and an interviewee, or it's just myself and my co-host if we don't have an interview at that time. So with Zencaster, up to three people. Um, you can use the free account, so it's been great for us. And you know, obviously, once we bring on a fourth person, we'll just upgrade to the to the next account. But um, it's been great for us so far. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Josh, uh, the founder of Zencaster, is coming on this show uh, in a couple of weeks, so it'll be interesting to to get a chance to chat with him. I've talked to him a couple of times in the past uh, about kind of what he's up to, and yeah, I think he's really done a great job of uh, of providing a solution for people in the scenario like you're in where, where you, you want really good sounding audio, you have guests, so you don't know exactly uh, what you're going to get every week. Cause I think if you have a, a, a co-host situation, like I have a, a podcast we've done 125 episodes of already. Oh, nice. It's me, it's me and a, it's me and my co-host most weeks. And so we both record locally uh, and we use Skype call recorder. And, and so I think it's, it's less of an issue because we're both podcasters and we both know what, what we're going to get. We both know to turn off all of our notifications and exactly. plug our, our computer into to the modem directly instead of using Wi-Fi or whatever. But but if you're, I think particularly if you're doing an interview show, it's really, uh, it's really important to get whatever system you want to use and whatever technology you want to use uh, to where you can consistently record good sounding audio. And if Skype call recorder works for you, it's what I use most of the time now still. It works well for me uh, almost all of the time. Uh, I think we will look at using Zencaster in the future because I'm starting to to do more interviews with this show. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think that's that would be my kind of message for for people who are looking for for a way to go. If Skype call recorder is working well for you because it's just you and your co-host every week, that's great. Don't go like reinvent the wheel if it's you know not broken or whatever. Um, but if you're doing an interview show or if you're kind of new to things, yeah, it's a super simple way to start, right? I mean, you sign up for an account, send somebody the link, they sign on, and and you start recording. It's that easy, yeah. Yeah, and the the double ender kind of local recording is is the way to go because I mean, really, what you want in the end, regardless of how you record, is two separate files that you can edit independently because the worst is when you use something like some of these conference calling solutions where they slam both sides of the audio together on the same file, then you can't mm-hmm. edit, you know, the kids crying in the background or the dog barking on your end or something like that separate from, from the other side of the conversation. So that's the thing Zencaster does really well. 
Sure. And I also think you have a distinct advantage um, on why Skype Call Recorder works for you is because you're interviewing other podcasters. Yeah. So most of the time, yeah. those podcasters have reliable internet. They know how to work their internet. They know how to work their mics. And you know, if they're podcasting already, then their whole system is set up to go. Um, like we are talking now with no issues. Um, you know, but when I'm interviewing some random photographer from you know Wyoming, which I did last week, you don't know what you're going to get. You know. Yeah. Right. 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 For sure. For sure. But another thing that you mentioned that I wanted to say, which is you know, which was a learning curve for us also. Um, and I guess when I was starting a podcast and reading as much as I can, I didn't find this anywhere. And it's the most basic thing. And you mentioned just to turn off notifications. And, you know, now what I started doing is, you know, in a little pre-recording pre email that I send out to our interviewees, I, I tell them that. Um, but, you know, I learned the hard way the first few episodes. And, you know, we have you know, our interviewees phones ringing in the background and all that stuff. So nobody told me, uh, and I read a lot and I just didn't find it anywhere. No one told me, make sure you tell everyone to, you know, shut their, you know, their email application down on their computer. So, you know, you don't have the little chimes and, you know, your messages and shut your phone off. So it's not ringing all the time and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. But it's uh, definitely a good tip that you mentioned quickly in passing. And I was like, no, let me just bring that up again because uh, I learned that the hard way. Sure, sure. I mean, I think it's like a lot of things that that getting a process for for the things, the handful of things that really make the most difference, you know, using a microphone, using some sort of headphones so that the sound is not coming out of your computer. Uh, tell the people to to kind of prepare their computer, turn Dropbox sync off. That's the biggest one. I mean, because if your Dropbox decides to sync in the middle of <laughs> of recording a podcast, uh, your your Wi-Fi is just going to be terrible because that's just a bunch of data moving back and forth. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And we use, you know, for this, for the, we haven't talked about this, but for scheduling this podcast, we use Calendly. Sure. Um, so there's a million calendar solutions out there that that let people choose a time that they want to kind of schedule a podcast interview. And we use Calendly for this. And I use it for a couple of other, other things in our business. And it's great because it takes the the back and forth of like, hey, can you talk? on Thursday at three o'clock. No, I can't. I can only do it four 30 or whatever. So I say here, Brian, here's the link. Grab a time that works good for you. It uh, avoids all of the the conflicts too, because it's tied into my calendar. So you can't book time that's already booked on my end. Sure. So something like that too, especially if you're trying to book up a bunch of time on your, like an interview type show, um, just send people that Calendly link or meetme.so is another one. Uh, something like that is just a lifesaver for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't. We don't use one now. I actually used it for booking this this uh, interview with you, and it was actually great because I don't even know if you noticed this. I actually originally scheduled you for last week, yeah. and then a shoot came up, and I had to reschedule. And it was pretty convenient. I didn't have to email you, didn't have to call you. I was just able to go into the little uh, link that popped up from my ICS into my calendar, click on it, reschedule it for for today, and that was it, you know, all said and done. Yep. But um, we don't do that at this point only because, um, you know, we're booking our interviews kind of week to week. Um, and, you know, we already, I mean, I think we have five or six episodes in the can. Or we're releasing once a week now and we have five or six episodes in the can already. So we have, you know, our next month and a half of content. Um, so we kind of just took a step back this week, you know, and just breathe for a little for a week and try to just, you know, recoup and see where we're at and go over things before we hit the ball rolling again next week. Yep. Um, so it's kind of like, um, you know, Rich and I will sit down and say, all right, you know, 
who's out there, who should we reach out to? And we don't try to reach out to too many people at one time. You know, we'll go after one photographer or one industry professional, try to lock him up, figure out a date, interview him. And then once that's done, you know, I do all the editing and, you know, Rich will move on to the next guy and try to book him. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's, uh, it's pretty good, but those systems are great. Um, Actually, after using Calendly for with you, I decided to, I think I'm going to start using it just for my own business. Um, because a lot of times I'll get calls for shoots and it'll be a lot easier if I can just send the link to somebody and say, here, just book, this is my available time. Just book your shoot when you want to. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I mean, it's, you can set, you know, we, I say for podcast episodes only like two days a week for this block of like four hours, you can set all that stuff up. So yeah, it's great. I mean, all these things just make running any kind of scheduling thing or online business or online content so much easier. So yeah, we're, we're blessed to live in such a, uh, such a technology rich time. I think it's pretty cool. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Brian, we like to talk about, uh, things we've learned and that's a very positive way of saying kind of like talk about some places we've bumped our heads in the podcasting world. Um, being a few weeks into to podcasting, uh, and a handful of episodes, can you talk about a place that, that you've, you've had a learning opportunity with the podcast that you're doing something different now that, that you might want to share? Uh, yes. Um, that's a good question. Um, other than, other than Skype call recorder, cause that way. <laughs> yes. Um, well, prior to this, you know, I didn't have any major experience talking on camera. I've been on camera a few times. If, if you want to, if you go to my website and check out, um, my FAQs, um, they're actually all video FAQs. Um, I kind of just recorded myself answering questions and I written off a teleprompter, which is pretty obvious if you watch them. And, it wasn't done great. Now that I have a little bit more experience, I mean, I'm not on camera now, I'm on the mic, but I have a little more experience. I might want to re-record them. But I think the first thing is just learning to get comfortable speaking, you know, speaking your mind and learning to gather your thoughts before you speak. So you don't have a lot of the ums and the ahs, which, you know, I still do, but a lot of those small things, which, you know, I'm just learning how to do. And I actually just signed up with my local Toastmasters to how to try to help me improve all that stuff too, which might be a good tip for people who are podcasting or don't have as much experience podcasting in public speaking is to I haven't gone yet so I don't want to definitely vouch for them but I just signed up so um, just to learn how to get rid of those filler words if you want to call it sure sure um, so that was you know a big I guess I don't call it a learning curve but just getting a little more comfortable in front of the mic and you know every episode we record it just gets a little easier and easier and stuff like that so that was the biggest the biggest takeaway for me was just to be able to you know get on a mic and just speak and you know, I didn't have fear, but there's a little part of you that's like, am I saying the right thing or am I saying the wrong thing? But just to kind of overcome that and just be yourself and just talk. And, you know, if people like you and your personality, they'll listen and, you know, we're getting listeners. So it's good. That's great. That's great. No, that's really good advice. I mean, I think I've not heard the the, the Toastmasters uh, approach to things, but but yeah, something to let people who haven't created content in like the audio visual world before they've been writers or bloggers or authors or in-person whatever sale selling or whatever it is to to be comfortable hearing your voice i think is really tough because a lot yes. of people the first time they hear their own voice will be like on a podcast and, and they're like huh what <laughs> what is like, this that's what, what i sound like, like. Huh? yeah uh but but yeah just getting comfortable with it and, and having i i think confidence is not a not a bad term because it is kind of the confidence to say, okay, I know what I'm talking about and I can have a point of view and a perspective that's a little unique, maybe a little edgy. And it's okay if people don't love it. 
that's fine because other people probably will. Um, and so you might be going for that kind of vocal minority, but, but that's not all bad either. So, yeah, I think, and I think the first couple episodes are going to be not your best. <laughs> they might not be horrible, no, but that's for sure. they're not yeah. going to be your best. So just go with it and say, we'll get better over time. And, you know, the first few episodes, probably people aren't going to listen anyhow. So we'll just know that in the future, it's going to be better and, and kind of accept that is, is pretty fair. Exactly. And once you start getting positive feedback, it helps boost your confidence a little and you take it from there. You know, one thing I do probably a couple every couple of days is I go to iTunes and I just see if we have any new reviews or ratings and stuff and seeing what people say, you know, definitely just helps boost your confidence a little, knowing that people like what you're putting out there, especially in an industry like mine where it's small and there is nothing out there for us. So yeah. people are loving it. You know, and then you also get all the, uh, you know, the the stupid fan emails of people that want to come on and all that stuff. So yeah, that's what happens when you're you know, famous, that, man. That, 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 <laughs> well, I'm going to call it famous, but but uh, that's what uh, you know it helps boost your confidence, stuff like that. That's right. That's right. We had we had one email, I think, our after our third episode from a guy who wrote in the email that he used to podcast too. And he wanted to warn us. He said, just so you know, you're going to get a lot of random fan email from people wanting to be on your show. And then at the end of his long rant, he said, if you ever need a co-host, just let me know. I'm willing to be on the show. With oh, you. very sly. I'm huh? like, I'm like, I'm like, you just <laughs> warned me about people like you. And then you're asking for it. Yeah. Yeah. Too funny. So. Too funny. Great. Well, Brian, thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, for folks who want to learn more about you and, and check out your podcast, can you share where they can find you online? Sure. So the podcast is called Shooting Spaces, which is, I guess, apropos. Um, so it's shootingspacespodcast.com. And you can find me, Brian Berkowitz photo.com, or I'm on Instagram at Brian Berko, B R I A N B E R K O. Awesome. Awesome. Brian, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Sure, Greg. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to another episode of Podcast Hackers. If you liked what you heard today, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. This goes a long way towards helping spread the word about the show to other podcasters just like you. Until next time, happy podcasting.